going on, everybody? It's Rockman 3K3, and you're listening to another great episode of The Nerd Plate. The Nerd Plate! Ah! Guys, uh, today I'm rolling solo, as you might have noticed, because my boy Leroy Ketchum, a.k.a. the co-creator, the co-writer, co-director, co-owner, co-everything of this, uh, today is his birthday. And so on this day that we're recording... Uh, I'm enacting the birthday protocols. Me and him both came up with that together to where, hey, it's like, if you want to take off and not do anything for your birthday, I understand because we both work hard and he deserves it. Uh, so he is out enjoying his birthday. Happy birthday, brother. I'm so happy you've successfully uh, achieved another re- revolution around the sun, uh, as well as you've done so much this year and you've achieved so much. So congratulations. And I hope this next year coming up for you is just good. And uh, you're getting old. <laughs> you're about to join the club pretty soon. No. Um, you know you only get better. You know you only get stronger. And you've done a lot. And you'll keep doing more. So just successful young man. He's just out here. So uh, I just want to say, you know, thank you for rolling with me for this long. And, uh, yeah, man, enjoy your birthday. You deserve it because you've been working hard. And so, guys, we're going to get into all the great stuff, the crazy stuff. Uh, But first, you know, how was your week? How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Everybody okay? You you surviving the pandemic pretty well? Well, for me, my week has been the usual. uh, Same old chaos of trying to find a job and also working on the game that everyone thinks that I'm not working on. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so nothing's really changed there. I uh, went down and saw my mom uh, this weekend, so that was fun. Saw her and my uncle. Of course, we just kind of hung out. I love them. Uh, we just went back down every lane and just chilled out for a little bit. Of course, she didn't want me to go. That's how it always is when I go home. But, you know, hey, at least someone wants to put up with me, so that's awesome. Uh, and I love my mom very much. I love you, mom. Uh, she's just so awesome and you know, they were talking a little bit before because she, she always asks about the show and she's like, what are you going to talk about, you know, this time or today? And uh, I was telling her how, you know, I'm going to talk about some cool things that brought up a lot of my childhood past and history. And I was just like, yeah, she's like, oh, I remember that. And, you know, so it, it was really cool to talk to her about that kind of thing. And those kind of things from my memory. So that was a lot of fun. Um. But other than that, you know, I can't complain. Just, just trying to make it, you know, just trying to keep my head above the proverbial water and, and try not to drown in this craziness. But uh, it's tough. Stressed out, and, you know, just trying to make moves. But anyway, you didn't come here for that. You came here for the games. So let's get into it. Now, today is a bit of a, a treat for all the old school gamers out there because uh, there's a lot of old school things going on today. I'm going to jump right into it. By just attacking your childhood and getting into it, guys. So, Mr. Takaya Imamura, the creator of Captain Falcon and Star Fox, as well as some of the Majora's Mask stuff, he is officially retired, guys. Yes, he retired a few days ago from Nintendo. Um, Yo, this guy was with Nintendo for 32 years. And I got to say, man, like... I doubt if he's listening, but if he is listening to this, thank you for my whole childhood. Because, yo, Star Fox, 
I remember getting that on Super Nintendo back when I was a kid, and it was, we just thought it was the greatest thing ever. You know, like, and I mean, it was like like polygon graphics, 3D. We're just like, it's so great. This is 3D. Nothing's ever gonna beat this. You know, and it was just so funny because we thoroughly enjoyed the Star Fox game. Um, I remember being super hyped about Star Fox 64 when it came back out on the Nintendo 64. It was the remake of the Star Fox, and it was just so much better than the old Star Fox. Crazy stuff, man. Uh, so we were just all about it. Um, and Captain Falcon from, you know, of course, F-Zero. It just, man, that was that was another great game. That was just phenomenal. Um, and it's another classic Super Nintendo staple slash Nintendo staple period. Because even when it came out on uh, GameCube and even on N64, like, they were just addictive games. Um, but, guys, these are just some of the classic or some of the classiest, most classic characters uh, of all video game history. And for him to create them and just be with Nintendo for that many years, man, kudos to you. Because you've probably seen and done so much, especially on the Super Nintendo, Game Boy Advance, uh, just all kinds of stuff. And I mean, he even was like a supervisor on two of the Smash Brothers, and he did a lot of stuff for Nintendo. So, you know, again, thank you for your service. We're going to miss you. I know I'm going to miss you because I was in love with Star Fox. I'm still in love with that today. And I really hope Nintendo puts out a real sequel one day, not just keeps doing remakes, but whatever. Um, but thank you, Emma because, um, yeah, I love that game. And I love your characters. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, bro, you hadn't made a bad character yet. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, and Majora's Mask, as much as we, because, you know, at first I was kind of like, oh, that's not my favorite Zelda, but it's whatever. But it was still a good Zelda game. So, hey, thank you for that, too. Thank you for your designs and that. Um, and, yeah, just you did great work. Just awesome. So I was really excited about that. Super happy. Had to bring that to the table. Now, uh, moving on, because I got a few news articles before I get into the big main event for you, because I got something special for you today since Leroy isn't here. Got to make up for that. Um, Microsoft does some backcourt dribbling, guys. Now, uh, if you hadn't, if you hadn't heard about this, so, and it's funny because a lot of people don't remember this. So a long time ago, Microsoft was actually toying with the idea like, hey, maybe we should split the, the Xbox Live Gold into different tiers just to see, you know, how people, you know, what would you pay for? You know, how would that go? And they made this article a long, long time ago. So I guess it just kind of fell out of people's radars and things. But they were talking about it. They are talking about how like they are thinking about exploring different things. Like, oh, maybe you'll get just like this with this tier, this with this tier, this with this tier. Whatever, right? Well, uh, when they tried to get serious about it, which was just recently, uh, their fans and community did not like it. And uh, it was a little bit of a backlash. So what happened was... Um, they backpedaled and they said, Hey, well, you know what? We're not going to change the price. We're sorry. Uh, you know, matter of fact, we're going to do you one better. Um, all online games that are free to play will not require a subscription anymore. Like you'll just, you work through their servers, you know, and you don't have to, you know, we won't charge you for that, which is good. Uh, I think that should, that should always be like that. I, I think, because even on PS2, they did that. They were like, you don't have to have anything special. You dealt with them. I think that's how it should be uh, with free-to-play. It's just because 
it's a free-to-play game and it's easier or it helps the developer that free-to-play game if it's good uh especially with games like fantasy star online too it would help people actually throw into it more if that's all they play online and you know that's all they care about so that's cool that's a way of getting you know more money for your systems and stuff like that so kudos to mark soft for doing that for back dribbling uh, backcourt dribbling on that one and saying, hey, yep, we're sorry. Uh, but here you go, rebound. Uh, you know, all free-to-play games are, you know, absolutely free. You don't have to do anything through us. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, Honestly, I don't think they should ever do that with uh, the Xbox Live Gold just because Xbox Live uh, Gold, if you take away the games they give you away for free, um and and the little perk uh coupons which honestly they're just for games so well, there's only a few times where it's like oh well, you have to you know or you have uh, a free like three months of Crunchyroll or free month of Disney but you have to be a new subscriber so really and truly the only perks to having gold is like playing online and getting the free games now if you have uh Xbox Live Ultimate or Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, you get a lot more with it in terms of like just basically getting because that's what plan I'm on now. I'm on the $14.99 a month, which basically gives me access to Xbox Live Gold and also to the Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate, which gives me free games on PC and free games on the Xbox um, console family, as well as like having that wide variety of like free games in that like Netflix like. Uh, service of the ultimate game pass um so with me i think they should continue to just keep it separate like they're doing to where people like me just want to pay for that for that 14.99 a month just leave that you know and then if people want to continue to pay for xbox live just let them do that because some people honestly don't want the ultimate game pass and i understand that because i was like that at first before i was like okay well this if i had ultimate game pass it would keep me from really buying any more games on my Xbox One period uh, since I'm going to get all of the original uh, games by Microsoft, which that's all I really care about on the Xbox One anyway because I have my PS4 personally. So when I play online with buddies, that's what we usually play is PS4. And I don't really play my Xbox One unless I'm playing Fantasy Star Online or playing just a game that I wanted to play um, or playing something that's a Microsoft original, which is very few of our between nowadays. Um, but still, you know, occasionally I want to get on there, play some Gears or play some Halo or, you know, play some stuff that's in the Xbox Live Game Pass that I, especially if it's games that I don't know if I want to buy for real, like it's a good way of testing it first. And it's just like, okay, cool. I want to buy this game. So I'll probably either get it on my PS4 or I'll just go ahead and buy it on the Xbox. Um, but either way, I think what they have now is good. I don't think they should really charge more unless they're going to do more of a service for Xbox Live Gold. Because again, when you take away the games with gold, like all you have is you're playing for online multiplayer, which again is not unheard of because we're doing that on, you know, Sony with PlayStation Plus now. We're doing that with Nintendo, which Nintendo's the cheapest with $19.99 a year. And you get like a lot of good old Nintendo games and uh, a few free games, stuff like that. Um, but still, uh, I think they should offer a little bit more, especially if we're going to, because they're already 
like right now, I think Xbox Live Gold went from like, okay, well, it might be different, but how it used to be was if you had Xbox Live Gold by itself, that was uh, $59.99 or $69.99 for a whole year. And then, or you can do uh, the monthly, which is like $7.99, or you can do the, uh, the every three months for like, I think it went up to like $24 or $29.99 or something like that. Anyway, that to me, that that's there. You're home. Like, unless they're going to introduce some new feature, I don't think they should go up, you know, in price. Um, and with the Ultimate Game Pass, I think they've hit a good sweet spot. Especially for people like me. Like $14.99 a month, that's fine. I know in the long run, that's like 100 and some almost $200 uh, a year. But, like, I would rather have that just because, again, like I said, like, that's beneficial to me. And I feel like it's it's worth it. Um, so, it, it, and, and again, if they're going to, you know, upgrade that price module, then they got to give me more for that. Like, with Netflix, anytime they go up, I don't care because Netflix consistently puts out really good content. And I'm not saying Microsoft doesn't. It's just anytime there's a price change with Netflix, I don't care. Like I, I tell everybody that. Like that's one of the digital services where I'm not like, okay, I don't know. I don't know if I want to keep this. No, I'm gonna keep it because. There's always something to watch on there. There's always something good that I want to watch, or even just the old stuff. So it's like, y'all want to go back and watch that. Whereas, like, what Xbox Live Gold, um, again, is really just to play with your friends. And so for you to say, okay, we're going to have like an Xbox Diamond or something like that, all right, what are you going to offer me that's not just like, okay, I might as well just go ahead and pay for Xbox Live, Game Pass, Ultimate, stuff like that. Because uh, even Game Pass, Game Pass, they have two like levels with that, which is Game Pass, which is just all the original games on Xbox, you know, console family, uh, plus like whatever uh, games are in the Game Pass at that point, but or, or that time, but you don't get anything on PC. Which, you know, that's, I mean, because some people don't have a PC, so they don't need it. So that's cool. They have that $9.99 option. But for $14.99 a month, you have both. I think it's, it's a, it's a, I think that's the best deal Microsoft has going. Like, listen, Microsoft, if you're listening for whatever reason, keep that deal. I think that's the best thing you have going. Um, And honestly, I think it'll help you in the long run if you just hold on to that. Now, if you start to want to like go up, you're like, oh, like too many people are on it. We don't, we're not making as much money, so it's profitable. Then perhaps start exploring like giving people free games that they can keep uh, that that are a little bit, better, like just just a little bit better tier. Like instead of giving away so many indie games, like give away some old, like really good games that people are just like, oh my gosh, like okay, I gotta keep this service. Um, Something like that, you know, just just some or like partner up with somebody who's like, hey, listen, when you get gold, there's also this because now that I think Sony owns Crunchyroll completely, listen, I'm waiting for them to put that as a part of PlayStation Plus because as soon as that happens, boom, that's I'm keeping that for life. I'm going to go ahead and start buying that yearly, son, yearly. 
because uh, right now I pay every three months, but whatever. Um, but yeah, just just before changing the motto, I would just revisit it and see what would be the best thing. But I am kudos to them for stopping themselves instead of just in the future they would just do it, being like, "Oh, it's a mistake. We're gonna come back to it." Like they they've gotten a lot better. And even Phil Phil Spencer came out and apologized, saying, "Hey, I'm sorry. We kind of botched that." Uh, but we heard you loud and clear. We're not going to change anything. Blah blah blah. So, kudos to them. Um, good idea of kind of stepping back on that rather than going forward because that would have been bad. Um, also, I told you we got more and more uh, more old head stuff. You know, what I'm saying. Speaking of more, shout out to Peter Moore because he's back in the video game industry, guys. That's right. Uh, if you don't know who Peter Moore is, he has been everywhere. We're talking about this guy has been the executive, um, God, everything, VP, uh, GM, all kinds of stuff. But he was the a former Xbox executive, top-level executive that kind of led the way for them. Uh, he also did stuff for Dreamcast back uh, with Sega during the Dreamcast era back in the early 2000s. Um, did some stuff with EA, and that was like in 2007 when he left Microsoft to go to Electronic Arts. And now he'll be back with Unity being a, and this is crazy, guys, he's going to be a senior vice president and general manager of sports and live entertainment. Now, that's a little bit weird, uh, but he, he tweeted out saying, hardly the biggest news of the day, but I'm delighted to announce that I've joined the incredibly talented team at Unity 3D as SVP and GM of sports and live entertainment. Delighted to be reu- reunited with so many industry friends as we work on some really cool stuff. More to come. So this is really cool uh, because Peter Moore be out. I mean, he'd be out here, guys. Like he did a lot of great um, promotional and structure work for Xbox. Uh, he did a lot of great things for Dreamcast. So this guy definitely knows what he's doing. He's definitely a veteran in the industry, an iron, ironclad veteran in the industry. Uh, and he's like responsible for doing a lot of cool things uh, with a lot of software. Uh, for Microsoft, you know, thanks to him, he did a lot of cool like specials with Grand Theft Auto 4 when it came out. Uh, he also pushed Rock Band. All kind of stuff with EA. Uh, and then, you know, Dreamcast. Like I say, he did a lot of stuff with Dreamcast back in the day, including uh, actually uh, what we always talk about, even to this day, SegaNet, where he came up with the idea of doing like online Dreamcast stuff. Really crazy. So shout out to him. We're happy to see him back in the industry. And he's probably going to do some crazy stuff at Unity, although it's funny. Um, and I want to say Unity is a free to use. Um, game engine and if you want to develop on it then you have to get like the little pro uh, version or whatever I really wish everybody would kind of take Unreal's like whole take on that to where like yo we don't charge you anything to publish then we only take like 10% and whatever Um, so I think that's really cool and I hope Unity does that as well one day but that's really cool that's awesome welcome back Peter Moore Uh, he's a great Got to have the industry, and he's always shaking some up. So if he's in, that means Unity's going to come out with some fire games or fire systems or engines or something. It's going to be great because he he definitely knows the gaming industry. So shout out to him. 
and the last thing on the news list, guys, Gabe Newell says he will be announcing upcoming games that are coming out from Valve soon. Uh, my response to that is don't hold your breath. <laughs> um, and and that's, you know, not hating on my man Gabe Newell. You know what I'm saying? Gabe just likes to take his time, and they can't count to three because I'm telling y'all, we ain't going to never get Half-Life 3. We ain't going to get Left for Dead 3, none of that. Um, For all of you who don't know who Gabe Newell is, he is the guy at Valve, the head guy at Valve. Uh, he's responsible for putting out hits like, of course, what I just said, Left for Dead 1 and 2. Uh, Half-Life 1 and 2, Half-Life 2 Orange Box, uh, as well as like Team Fortress and the new Team Fortress they got now, stuff like that. Um, for all of you who don't know, Valve is, you know, they, they started off being like a heavy PC development company. And then when they made Steam, then they just kind of said, ah, okay, cool. We're just going to sit back and break all this money in from Steam. Um, mainly because anything that gets published on Steam is a 70-30 split. And God almighty, when I tell you they have so many games on Steam, it's ridiculous. You can probably go through Steam and never, ever run out of games. And that's just on the free parts. It's not even getting into how many games are on there that are, like, you know, paid, like, games you have to pay for. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, guys, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. I, I think... Uh, I don't know if they're actually going to develop a game again because every time they say stuff like this, oh, we're going to develop a game, like we don't see anything or we see a remake or we see a side game like Half-Life Alex, which was a great game, but again, it's only for the VR. Console people didn't get anything. So we're just like, or and, and PC people who don't have a VR didn't get anything from that. So we're just like, ah, come on, guys, give us something. Uh, a lot of people have been begging for Left 4 Dead 3. And a lot of the creators and team uh, developers that worked on the Left Dead series are off making other projects. In fact, they got another project coming out. I forgot the name of it, but I talked about it uh, on one of the shows prior to uh, me and my, my buddy Shogun. We talked about it all the time. Uh, they just they, they need it. They, we need Left 4 Dead 3 because that was an amazing game. And, uh, I mean, trust me, dude, we played so much on 360. It was ridiculous. Um, and I would love to see more of that now. Um, especially with how strong the internet has gotten nowadays. Like, Left Dead probably be crazy. We probably have instead of four, like, you know, like four survival, we'll probably have like eight survival now because we have such high res technology and the systems are a little bit more RAM heavy. So it'd be nice to see that. Um, but who knows, man? Who knows? I want to trust Gabe. But I'm not sure. Like I said, like he always says, like, oh, we're, we're working on games. And then we never see anything. And then, you know, even before, you know, Half-Life Alex, there was another game they were working on. They worked on for forever. And then just, I don't know where it said, okay, cool. That's it. We're done. Thanks. And it's just like, what happened? Like, I thought y'all were going to, you know, and, and they didn't, nothing came of it. And uh, it was going to be a really cool concept. But, yeah. So, um... Here's hoping that Gabe Newell is really telling us the truth and really just like, all right, here you go. Here's some, you know, hopefully we get some release dates and hopefully, fingers crossed, one of those are at least Left 4 Dead 3 or Half-Life 3. And I got to stop saying them because every time you see, the joke is it's been so long, just like the Kingdom of Hell coming soon. 
Uh, <laughs> the joke is that every time you say Half-Life 3 or Left 4 Dead 3, they push it back another year. So, whew, I already said it to me, Tom's. Let's hope something cool happens. So there's that. That's the gaming news, guys. Wanted to give you that that nice little tidbit of news uh, because, you know, that's what we do here at the Nerd Play. But also, since Leroy is away, the whole show is not just going to be news. As you guys know, I am a great wine connoisseur of games. And I'm going to bring you back. That's right, guys. Another fine wine. Are you ready? You ready for this? So let let me set up the scene for you. Today, guys, I want to talk to you about a nice little fun one called, and you can't see it, but I'm holding the game up, and I don't know if I'm going to do this live or not, but uh, it's called Secret of Mana. That's right. Now, this is, I'm holding up the copy from PS4. Now, I have my Super Nintendo copy, the original copy, somewhere here in the house. Can't find it just quite yet, or didn't find it in time for this show, I'll say that. Uh, but it did come back out on the Wii and on the PS4. This is actually a full-on remake. This came out on the PS4 and the Switch. Uh, did not come out on the Microsoft uh, systems, unfortunately. But really, really awesome game. It's called Secret of Mana. Really, really great. Really, really awesome. I love this game. So let me let me set the setting for you. So it's 1993, right? Everything's still kind of like, you know, cool. Uh, this time, Super Nintendo's like taking over, of course. It's having the Genesis and Super Nintendo War. Um, you know, basketball is still cool to me as a person. Uh, <laughs> I think we had, I think Clinton was just getting in office, or maybe Bush was still in office. I'm not sure. Um, but at this time, Super Nintendo was really taking over, guys. Like, seriously, Super Nintendo and Genesis were like, the, the the jewels, the crown jewels of the video game kingdom, especially Super Nintendo, because it was riding off the success of Nintendo, and we didn't think Super Nintendo could be anywhere near as good as the Nintendo, and it was. It it was killing it, man, killing it out there. So, um, this is also, and you know, just again, just want to set the scene for you. So this is also uh, around the time. That, you know, I'm young. Let's see. What was, uh, how old was I back then? So I was probably, uh, hold on, got to do some math. Hold up. Let me, let me math real quick. See how old I was back in 93. You know what I'm saying? Give me. We think I'd have this ready, but you know, whatever. Don't judge me. I hear the judgments. Okay, so I was about nine years old when this game came out, right? Nine years old. And of course, like most of the games that I've come across, and my love for RPGs that I've come across, um, it was first introduced to me. By my cousins, Drew and James. Now, Drew and James, uh, they would have all these great, weird games on Super Nintendo and Nintendo, and then they would just bring it over to my house because they're, you know, their mom 
would buy them games, and then you know they're a little bit older kids now, so they're into like older stuff. But they would come introduced to me, and I'd fall in love with it. And this is one of those games they introduced to me that I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome!" So, what makes Secret of Mana stand out, and what makes me want to talk about it, or as it's called in Japan, uh, let's see, it's Seiken Denetsu uh, number two in the series, and we'll get into why it's called that in a minute. But anyway, so I'm setting the scene. This is 93. I played this. This was tight. Uh, matter of fact, we've, I think we played this after playing uh, some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles and Tom, because I love that. I had that on Super Nintendo. I would kill to get that game again. Seriously. I really wish my mom wanted to trade it in. But at the time, this is before I stopped trading in games, period. I just took a stand out to trade in. But anyway, guys... This is one of the greatest RPGs of all time. In fact, this is one of the many RPGs that inspired me to go into game development. And I, I love it. It's it's one of my favorites of all time. If you've played Secret Matter before, you know exactly what I'm talking about and why it's one of my favorites. So let's get into it. So let me set the scene of when I actually got my copy of Secret Matter, right? I'll never forget this because on this day... My mom had dragged me, and, and this was <laughs> this is back during the times when I was younger. So it was a mission that I chose not to accept, but I had to. Uh, my mom made me tag along with her and my sister, and they went clothes shopping, and they got their hair done. And it was an all-day process. I'm not even making that up. Back in the day, my mom used to get her hair done along with my sister at the JCPenney's um, in Montgomery Mall? Yeah, I want to say it's in Montgomery Mall. It's either JCPenney's or Parisians. But I want to say it's in Montgomery Mall. Back then, department stores had everything. They were not lying about this. They even had their own like salons. It's crazy. Anyway, my mom and my sister are sitting there. I'm going crazy because as a young boy who's nine years old, nine or ten years old, I'd, I'd say probably nine around this time, um, I'm going crazy because there is nothing to do at a hair salon place. And it is torture on a young kid. I kid you not. And like, I had to just sit there and be good. And it took everything. I had to just wait and be patient and just use my imagination. It was sheer torture. Ladies, if you are mothers, you're listening to the show. And, and I mean, now it's different because now you can stick a tablet in front of a kid and you can, you know, he or she can entertain her, themselves for like years. But back then, I didn't have a Game Boy because I was more into just playing games at home. And like, it was sheer torture. There was no such thing as tablets or even really mobile phones back then. So this is back in the prehistoric era. Ah, again, torture. Don't ever do that to your children, please. I mean, I'm not, it, listen, I had a great mom, she was lovely. It's just when she would drag me on these trips to like, yeah, just like go sit in the waiting room while we try on dresses and, and do our hair and stuff. Oh, my God. It was forever. And it took forever for them to do their hair. Like, seriously, I missed my Saturday morning cartoons that day because they wanted to go out shopping. It was insane. So anyway, um, but I always went on these trips because I knew. One of three things was going to happen. Either I got a chance to go to the arcade when they were done, 
go to the gaming store with every gun. Not necessarily promised a game, but just go in the gaming store when they were done, just to look around. Or three, maybe go to Toys R Us. And it was just like, oh, I hope one of those three things happened, because it was just torture. Anyway, fast forward past the hours of torture. My mom said, hey, you know what? Thank you. You've been out with us all day, so we're going to get you a game. Let's let's go to EB Games and see what they have. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So we go to EB Games, right? And EB Games, this is in Montgomery Mall at the time, back before Montgomery Mall turned into Montgomery Mall. Because back in the day, Montgomery Mall was a very nice and decent mall. And everybody came to it before it just went completely bunk shit crazy. It was terrible. Like, when I grew up, Montgomery Mall also just went just went downhill. Like, I don't know what happened. I think the management changed over. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Anyway, we got on EB Games. So I'm like, oh, thank you. I was like, okay, can we please buy this game? Because what I used to do is, like, when my cousins would come down and play games, I would remember the games they have, and be like, okay, I want that. Because they were so good, it's like, I want to keep playing. And I wanted to be able to play it whenever I could. So I wanted to buy the game. So I was like, okay, mom, like, this is the game I want. I want Secret of Mana. She's like, what is it called? Secret of Mana on Super Nintendo. So the guy knew, got it for me. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just couldn't wait to get home. So of course, we had to stop, get something to eat, which I was like, oh, let's just get home, get home. We'll play this game, whatever. And I'll never forget getting home and playing that game. And it was just, it was so great, guys, because um, it was an action RPG. Secret of Mana was the first of its time to be an RPG that didn't have turn-based, but just action, and it was multiplayer. And on top of that, guys, if you were one of the lucky kids to have a multi-tap for your Super Nintendo, it was three players. So you could play up to three people, excuse me, once you find all the characters. I just totally have fun. It was great. Um, so I loved playing it because it was a story about a kid who accidentally, you know, he's playing with his friends, falls off this water, falls down a waterfall and finds this sword and the ghost of the sword begs him to pull it out. It's just like, something's coming. You gotta pull me out. And when he pulls the sword out, he unknowingly unleashes the seal of evil and he unleashes monsters back in the world. But this happens for a reason. And so once that happens, you go back to the village. And the village is like, oh, my God, what have you done, you stupid kid? You know, like, ah, oh, we should have never taken you in. And then all of a sudden, a boss fight happens because this, this monster comes in. So they're, like, teaching you how to play the game, all kinds of cool stuff. And you're there with a knight from the kingdom. And he's just like, yeah, no, like, I've, I've come here to help you, blah, blah, blah. And so he helps you fight, and then it's just like, okay, cool, great. So you stop the monster. But then you get back out, and the villagers are like, listen, you've unleashed evil back in this world. We get it. We know you were hanging out with those two idiots, but you know what? We got to kick you out of the village. Get out. You can't come back. And so you, you get kicked out of the village. And so then you're taken on this journey to go find you know, find out what this mana sword is and, and why it begged you to pull it out, knowing that all these monsters come back. You have to go to the different, like, mana seeds and bless them. It was just great, guys. It was an epic 
journey. And me being a young kid and having a big imagination, like, that was just right down my alley. So let me also explain why it's called Secret of Mana in the States, but in Japan, it's Seiken Denetsu 2. So uh, this is an early time in the video game industry, guys, in terms of, like, Japan and American or Japanese and American relations. At the time, in the 90s, right, America was still kind of relatively new in terms of how to market to it. And it wasn't really that keen on getting, like, foreign concepts coming over to it. So back then, especially with the video game industry, because the video game industry is probably one of the, the more common industries to cross over a lot or worry about crossing markets. At the time... U.S., again, was still fairly new. So Japan, because Nintendo was a Japanese company, Japan never really, not that they never really understood, but they they were worried about what would go, what wouldn't go in America because the standards and practices were way different on our side than it was on their side. And so, of course, they would always liaison with Nintendo of America. So with RPGs, right? RPGs now, they're everywhere. You can find RPGs coming out of, like, the holes of anything and everything nowadays. You know what I'm saying? PC, uh, you know, you find them on the consoles, of course. You can find them on anything, even on your cell phone now. But back in my time, when I was a young kid, it wasn't like that. They were very scarce. Because most of the time, RPGs was very, like, deep-rooted in a lot of Japanese mythology or Japanese culture and they were always worried about how it would do in the States. For example, right, uh, Final Fantasy IV shows up on Super Nintendo. Now, this is weird because it shows up as Final Fantasy II. In America, the first Final Fantasy shows up here and in Japan. Does excellent in Japan, does excellent here. But they're still not like convinced that American people like RPGs because we're so action, 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 and stuff like that. So they skip the next few, like, Final Fantasy because they feel like it's too Japanese. It's not American enough. And so for whatever reason, at this time on Super Nintendo, they had Final Fantasy IV ready to go, and they said, well, you know what? Let's put it out because it's been years since people have seen a Final Fantasy in the United States. But instead of calling it four because we're afraid it'll confuse people, let's just call it two. And so it's just like, all right, fine, I guess. So that's why it's called Final Fantasy 2. The same thing happened with Secret of Mana. So funny story is, is the first Seiken Denetsu came out as Final Fantasy Legends on the Game Boy. And it was actually, it was called Final Fantasy Legends. And the subtext was, I think, uh, Sword of Mana. But we didn't get that. We just got Final Fantasy Legends. On the Game Boy. This was also very confusing because at the time, Saga Frontier and the uh, the, se- the Second Detsu series and some other series was all labeled under the Final Fantasy Legends. They did this because to them in America, they knew they could sell it if it had Final Fantasy on it. So they just said, oh, we'll just say Final Fantasy Legends, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. All kinds of stuff. And it, it's confusing, but if you hang out with people like me, or if you just know like people who know their RPGs, they can tell you the whole story about it. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, 
they decided, okay, well, for some reason, we can't do Seiken Dinetsu, uh, because that, that sounds too, uh, almost too Japanese, so let's just call it Secret of Mana, which has a lot to do with the story, and, I mean, you know, it, it would make, it's, it's more friendly to the American market, right? So, that was cool, uh, but also, it sucked because later on they did Secret of Evermore, which has nothing to do with the Secret series, or Secret of Mana series, um, they just used that name because they thought it'd be cool and they thought it could once again sell. Because back then in America, once you had a hit from Japan, you had to keep that same name or just keep it familiarized. Like companies like Nintendo and a lot of other companies were really more so worried about you just being familiar with the name and selling the product. Case in point, that's why we never got the real Super Mario 2 until later on to like the collecting collection uh of the mario games or the the anniversary collections where they you got mario the lost levels see in america once again super mario was excellent everybody loves super mario then they made um lost levels which they were like this will be too hard for the american like culture because they started putting like instead of <coughs> excuse me one-up mushrooms, they started putting death mushrooms in, so you had to avoid those, and the levels were a lot harder. They're like, no, what the hell is this? You can't put this out. So they said, okay, how about we take this other game that was meant to be like a part of this new series we don't know about, change the mechanics around, put Mario, Peach, Luigi, and Toad in it, and we'll call it Super Mario Brothers 2. Super Mario Brothers 2 that we got here in the States was not the Super Mario Brothers intended for us, but they were like, hey, there's no way we're going to release Lost Levels, so we got to go with this instead, because that, too, will be way too hard for people. That's why three, I mean, that's why 2 felt so odd to us, and that's why 3 did a lot better than 2, because 2 was just like a last-minute idea and a palette swap, and boom. It was a different game, but to package it and make sure it sells, they called it Mario. This happened all the time with RPGs because this happened with the Final Fantasy series. This happened with Square Enix, or I'm sorry, Enix before they joined Square. It happens with their the Dragon uh, Warrior or Dragon Quest because in Japan it was called Dragon Quest, but here in the States we got Dragon Warrior. And I think we got up to one, two, and three. And then after that, we didn't get any more until Dragon Quest Seven came out. And they were just like, oh my gosh, like, where did this come from? And then they went back and, and re-released. Same thing with Final Fantasy. Anyway, Secret Mana falls into that too. So going back to that, guys, it was just a time of greatness in terms of RPGs. Because you're talking about an RPG that you can play with your friends for 60 plus hours, right? And it's it had a great storyline. And it was fantastic. The interesting thing about Secret of Mana, right? is that it actually, when it came over here to the States, they actually intentionally left out a lot of the storyline that we didn't get in uh, the American version of Secret of Mana on Super Nintendo. This was also remedied, though, in the re-release of the remake on PlayStation 4, Secret of Mana for PlayStation 4. Uh, it actually left in all the stuff they tried to take out um, that we didn't get in the American version of Secret of Mana. In fact, I noticed this personally because uh, I'm actually replaying through it. Uh, I stopped for a little bit, but I'm actually replaying through it um, on PS4, 
And yeah, I can notice the difference because, like, for example, in the original game, which I didn't know this, they actually talked to each other. Uh, they had like a, a little like anime skit, like kind of thing where they actually like they just talked to each other more and it felt more like an anime. Whereas in the Super Nintendo version, they didn't do that. They just when you slept in, it it's like, all right, cool. And then you just kept going. And they never made comments about themselves, not until it was in the actual story. So I'm, I'm definitely honored to get that and, and excited to play through again to see what all I missed and like what little small things that they didn't bring to the States. But this has more so to do, again, with the American markets and how they treated RPGs back then. So RPGs weren't a big thing in America yet because, of course, you know, they felt it was still too steeped in the Japanese culture. And so... They took out a lot of things um, that they felt were a little too dark in the American versions. Like, for example, I'm trying to see what they took out. Um, uh, oh, they took out um, several endings because it was going to be uh, a multiple ending thing as, as opposed to a um one final ending uh it was a little bit it was a little bit softer because originally the game was going to be a lot darker uh but they softened it up a little bit and it, it basically had bad translation problems which i didn't see too much of um honestly when i played on super nintendo i thought it was like the best like RPG I've ever played in my life. And it's funny because whenever you talk to the director and designer, he felt like that was more of the inferior version, which is funny because that kind of goes back to Hideo Kojima talking about how Metal Gear Solid on PS1, he felt was the inferior version. And then he finally remade Twin Snakes on GameCube. He said, this is the, the version I always wanted to make, which is crazy. Um, But yeah, guys, it was just, it was so great in love with it um really funny story behind this so originally it was supposed to be on um the super nintendo cd or what you know playstation nintendo was going to go into agreement to make an add-on for you know super this is before nintendo made n64 because 93 was also the cusp of like nintendo kind of like like okay cool this is like the Apex for Super Nintendo, and then we're going to put out Nintendo 64. But what was crazy was this is where Nintendo was going to go on the CD because they were going to make like a whole like anime like kind of cutscene for this and stuff like that. But it didn't. It ended up coming out on the cartridge because Nintendo's like, well, we're not going to do the SNES CD because, you know, it failed. That, that whole contract with Sony failed. So. You know, we're going to just keep this on the SES format, which they had to, like, you know, cut out a lot of the, um, a lot of the cutscenes and a lot of the, like I say, like, special endings, stuff like that. Um, really, really awesome, though. Like, I, I thought it was great. Um, even the music, which was done by, uh, Hiroki Kakudo and Kenji Ito, like, they did such a great job because they actually got them to do 
some of the music again for like romancing saga and he had a lot of other great uh screenings games that he made music for as well but i mean it was just it was great uh, i i thought it was one of the best games on super nintendo if you talk to a lot of old school rpgers like myself they'll tell you the same thing um there's definitely something that we played over and over again. I mean, like me and my cousin played for hours. We beat the game multiple times, and then we just start over just because we were bored. Um, it was it was so much fun because I would of course play like uh, the guy with the sword, the kid with the sword, uh, which he had he had a real name. We you can name him anything. We named him our custom names, whatever. And then we'd always alternate between who we were playing with and. It was just dope. Uh, I mean, it was really cool and unique because everybody could use weapons. So, you know, you would take turns using or building up certain weapons. You could switch, whatever. Uh, the boy could not use magic, so that was cool. You forced you to be a soldier and, and forced you to be a fighter and a defensive person. But the other two characters could. Um, the sprite was pretty much pure magic so he was like the magician of the group and then the girl had some assist magic and healing magic because of course back then sadly all to all our female listeners like sorry back then in the rpg world the women were almost 100 percent healers oh and i know y'all get tired especially when you play rpgs online or you play rpgs period like women are always healers but this is before like a big breakthrough happened in genders to where it's like, you know what? Now anybody can be a healer. We don't care. Um so but it was really cool though, because she wasn't like useless, like she was still hard hidden and she still cast some good magic. Um it's just great because the strategy behind real time and the ring system, the ring system was revolutionary because the ring inventory system was so tight, because anytime we're playing the game. You can bring up the ring, even when you're being hit, and you can make sure to cure people, or if you're not equipped to the right thing, you can equip yourself with the right equipment. Uh, it, it is great. It was... Um, oh, I want to say it's reused again. Um, well, of course, it's reused again in uh, Seiken Denetsu 3, uh, or uh, Secret of Mana 3. But it's called Seiken Denetsu Three, um, or in America it was called the it was the Illusion of Mana. I want to say, uh, let me make sure, because I'm that's the one I'm playing now, and I can't remember what that one is. No, I'm sorry, Trials of Mana. I'm sorry, Trials of Mana. Um, it was used again in that, uh, which was the follow-up to, but it was like years after this particular mana. Much like, like that was the reoccurring theme in the series, because like when I finally got a chance to play Sword of Mana, which didn't come out till later on on Game Boy Advance, which was amazing, an amazing port remake. It was great, um, but basically, like each one of the installments happened years after each other. And had very unique stories, um, but it was it was just it was so good. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was so upset that they didn't make remakes for it up until like until now because 
back then, you know, games like this one, Chrono Trigger, and the Final Fantasy, like the old series of Final Fantasy, which is like, uh, like one through six, like, you know, they were just kind of lost if you didn't get them. And then, you know, we didn't even get the real Final Fantasy 2 or real 3 until later on, until, you know, finally the DS ports, stuff like that. We were at the time we were begging, it's great. And it's like, oh, we don't know. And Nintendo's like, oh, well, you know, we don't know if y'all really want them for real. We we're like, no, there's a market for it. Bring them out, bring them out, you know. Um, but this is one of the RPGs, guys. It's just, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. And like I said, we played for hours on end. You got a chance to see, like, just at that age, just wonderful boss fights. And, like, and at the time, because, you know, for us, Super Nintendo had the best graphics of all time. It was never going to get any better. <laughs> it was so cool to just see some of those boss fights. Like, one of your boss fights is like a giant mantis. Another one was like a giant skeleton, like, sorcerer. Like, it was so much fun. And it was like playing through a Japanese animation. And I think that's why I loved it. It's because the story was so good. And it was like playing through, you know, like I said, Japanese animation. And it just, it, it still had some dark undertones. And it was still, even though like the original story was going to be darker, like they still did a great job of making a very serious story about like kids growing up. You know, growing to this cause or this call to like save the world. It was just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful game. Um, I can't recommend it enough because I love that game. It still holds a candle my heart to this day. And I have so many fond memories of it, like, you know, from playing with my cousin or cousins to like, you know, talking to people at, you know, work about it or talking to like some of my friends at school about it. Like, it was just great. And I just, I'll never forget that feeling of just playing that game. And you hear that music. Like, every time I hear that music, and I'm going to try to put some in here so you can kind of hear. Every time I hear that music, it's just, it was so wonderful. And it just transports me back to just playing as a kid. Um, It was great. And that's, like I said, it's a big influencer for me to create a, a very great RPG with a similar experience. Like, that's why, like, I'm taking so much time and effort with my RPG, and that's why I want the music to just be so good because their music was so good. Like, I'm serious, guys. Go look, listen to the soundtrack, and I promise you, you'll just be like, wow, this is this is amazing. This is exactly what Rockman said. It has a great soundtrack and everything. Um, so, yeah, that was... That's the fun one right there. That's right. Secret of Mana for well, excuse me, Super Nintendo. Secret of Mana for Super Nintendo. But because you guys are lucky enough to be in this era, you can go find it right now on uh, PS4. Now I think it came out at like either thirty nine or twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, now it should be down to nineteen. It's also on PC, so it is on Steam. Um, it's on the Switch. Uh, and also, if you like this one, go try out the Trials of Mana. It's a little bit tougher, but it's really good. has the same basic concept to it. It is also multiplayer, um, but it has a, a little bit better uh, story development. And it's a little bit darker than this one was. Uh, but it's really good. I'm playing through it right now, but I love Secret of Mana. Um, it took me 
oof, hours on end to, to play this game and see everything in it. And uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. And uh, it was kind of like my, my, my big, my first big RPG that I played all by myself, aside from Final Fantasy 1. Uh, but it's, it's, so I'd say it's like my second or third one that I just played through all by myself. And I mean, I just did everything. I loved it. And I mean, I played this game so much that I almost know where to go, like from muscle memory now <laughs> when I play the game. So seriously, I love this game. Uh, thank you so much, Screens, for making that game. And uh, it's, it's just, it's a great title. Definitely go check it out. Uh, it was, oh, and by the way, it was developed, of course, by Square Enix. Uh, the directors were Koichi Ishii. The producer was Hiromichi Tanaka. Yeah, Hiromichi Tanaka. Um, and yeah, it was just it was so great. The artist was Shinichi Kamioka. Uh, Hiro Izano. Uh, I'm sorry for butchering the names, uh, but the writer was also Himurichi, uh Tanaka. And guys, it was great. Um, and of course, you can find it on Super Nintendo. If, But good luck, because it's probably a lot of money. Uh, it was also remade on Secret of Mana, or it was also remade on, not Secret of Mana, but the Bandai's handheld system, the Wonderswan Color. Is one of the non-games playing for the system, but it never got released. Uh, so now, now I'm sorry. A mobile phone port, a secret mail was released. What? In 2009? That's crazy. Um, if that is true, wow. That's all I gotta say on that one. Uh, of course, there's a port on the Nintendo Switch, which you can find in the collection of Mana if you want to play it that way. The game was re-released again um, as a 3D remake on PlayStation 4, PS Vita, and um, PC. I, I want to say it's on Switch as well. Um, um, if it's not on Switch, then I'm thinking of Trials of Mana. Trials of Mana is on Switch and uh, PS4. I got both of the remakes on PS4. But anyway, guys, go pick it up. Go pick it up, play it. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great way. Like, if you just want to play with your family and friends, like, on couch co-op, it's a great way to do it. Um, I just had a lot of fun. I had a, bank, had a blast with it, and I know for a fact you will, too. Trust me on that one. It's a lot of fun. Um, anyway, that has been it for your boy, Rockman 3K3, and for this episode of The Nerd Plate. Hope you enjoyed the fine wine. I'm sure when Leroy listens to this, he's going to come back to me like, why? Why did you do a fine one on an old-ass RPG game that nobody cares about? Well, you know why I did it? Because you weren't here to stop me. And, you know, I love my RPGs. You already know, sir. You already know. <laughs> um, but anyway, guys, of course, you can hit us up everywhere on the Nerd Plate or Nerd Plate on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTubes. You can even hit us up on our line at, oh, get ready for it. Do I have it? Do I have it? Do I have it? 
No, I don't have our number. So, uh, yeah, you can just hit us up. I tried to find it while I was talking to you guys, but uh, I, I just, I never have it handy. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'll be trying, but I'll be messing up. Uh, but you can also call us. I will leave a, I'll try to put it in descriptions. Anyway, doesn't matter. You can give us a call, tell us how we're doing. But just hit us up, guys, because, you know, we always want to know what we can do to make the show better. Um, and we always want to get your feedback and opinions. We want emails. Send us some emails. Send us about shit. Just say what's going on. Hello, because we get lonely sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I know I do anyway. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I'm Rockman3k3 telling you to go get Secret of Mana on PS4, or PC, or Vita, wherever you can get it. Uh, also, pick up the sequel to it, Charles Mana, because it's really good. And I love you guys. Stay safe. We're going to beat this pandemic. And I'm out! Oh, and happy birthday, Leroy. Now I'm out! <laughs>